0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. How are we doing this morning, guys? Good? Y'all awake? Y'all tired? Y'all don't want to be here? Say amen if you don't want to be here. <laughs> I was waiting for it, man. Come on. Come on. Praise God. How many are happy to be here? Amen. And it's okay. You know, you don't have to be happy to come to, to the house of God. Sometimes you come and you're not having the best day, but you come anyway because your spirit longs. You, you, your spirit is thirsty. Maybe your flesh is weak, but, but, the, but the spirit, the spirit is willing. And so when you come into the presence of God, your spirit, your spirit, let me tell you, man, is happy. Is happy to be in the presence of God because because where the presence of the, of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen, amen. And and uh, yesterday, um, yesterday, and the day before, uh, the women gathered here again. Uh, the Spanish. They had a, a Spanish women's conference a month after our English women's conference, and man, that it was uh, it was awesome. Amen. I got to be a, a, a part of it just by you know just by being in the worship, and it's always good to be able to get that that, that overpour. Amen. Um, even if it's, <laughs> it's not directed to, to you, um, the presence of God is, is for everyone. Right. And, and, uh, man, it was, it was a, it was a blessed time yesterday and praise God for that. And Layla was here and she was, she was, you know, playing around. She was playing with, with her friend, Debbie and all the kids. And, and then, and then she gets home and she's like, I'm not feeling well. And I'm, we're, we're kind of mean. We're like, you were perfectly fine. Just, just like, earlier today and we're like, you're fine. You're just being dramatic. Um, But she ended up having like, like 102 fever. Uh, So, um, so that's why they're not, they're not here today. Uh, Say a prayer over, over Layla. Um, But I want to, I want to take you this morning to, to the book of Genesis and uh, Genesis chapter 45. This is the story of Joseph. Many of you are familiar with Uh, Joseph was sold if you know the story, he was sold by his brothers into slavery out of sheer jealousy. That jealousy led to bitterness. That bitterness led to hatred. You got to check jealousy, man. Jealousy is a real thing. And it was a thing that plagued uh, Cain. It was a thing that plagued Saul. It's, it's a spirit that wishes to see everyone as a competitor, right? And even in the church, right, uh, it, it, it especially that, that spirit of jealousy likes to target people in the body of Christ. Why? Because if we're fighting everyone else, when does the kingdom advance? Right. And and so I, I know a little bit about this because I'm, I'm competitive by nature. I am. net <laughs> Pastor Danny, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm inclined to see everything as a competition. I don't know if that's just me. Uh, and Pastor James, because I know Pastor Jane is the same boat. Um, but I'm—I just—I see everything as a as a, as a game. As a, as a game to win, and if I'm not winning, I'm not having fun. I can't play a game just to have fun. If you're losing, it's not fun, right? And so I—I I, I often have to check myself. Because I know that I am prone to pride and I am, I am prone to seeing everything as a competition. And, and so sometimes, you know, when, I, when, when pride is creeping in, when that spirit of, of competitiveness is creeping in, I have to have a conversation with myself and tell myself, look, this is not about you. This isn't my game. This is, this is his game, right? To use that analogy. I'm just I'm just a player. I'm not called to be the MVP. I'm not called to be the star of the show. I'm not called to be on the A team. We're all on the same team, right? And if I'm having an off day, praise God for those who are not having an off day because they can carry my weight, right? And that is how the goal gets advanced. Don't let cr- pride creep in, man. Don't let that spirit of competition, that spirit of jealousy creep in because the Bible says, Proverbs 16, 18, that pride goes before destruction and a high spirit goes before the fall. I had to make that a personal memory verse. It was like that. Like I had to make it a personal memory verse because I know that as a man, that is my greatest temptation. And so when it begins to creep in, I have to call upon the word of God to come to my rescue. And I think everybody needs a, a personal memory verse for the things that they struggle with. Amen. If it's anxiety Philippians 4, 7, that talks about the peace of God surpassing all understanding. If it's foolishness, if you're just prone to making dumb decisions all the time, uh, uh, James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. Uh, My sermon is nothing about pride or jealousy. I just felt like talking on that for a minute. But uh, Joseph's brothers, they're jealous of Joseph. And 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 one because they were already je- jealous of him because uh, their father favored Joseph. I imagine if if I'm ever nowhere to be found, it's because my sisters did they sent me away because I'm the favorite, right? Alexa, you know you know what's up. Uh, <laughs> they recognize right, and so they were already jealous of Joseph. Uh, but second, uh, to add to this, Joseph he tells his brothers a dream that he has. And he says he says I had a dream that all of you all y'all all y'all fools you're going to bow down to me one day. And he probably I, I mean he was 17 at the time. He probably said it with a little bit of arrogance, right? He probably was doing it kind of to pick at them and it made them hate him even more. And they were like because Joseph was 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 the the second youngest of 12 and he and the brothers are like, "Bro, you think we're going to bow down to you? Like who do you think you are?" And and so as a result of that They do the obvious thing of selling into to slavery, right? And so he's 17 years old um, and an Egyptian officer by the name of Potiphar, he buys him. And Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. I'm trying to give you just a quick rundown of the story. And uh, she she accuses him of seducing her. And so he's put into prison. And then years later, Joseph interprets a, a dream for Pharaoh. And uh, there is apparently a great famine that is that is about to come upon all the land. And so he wins favor with Pharaoh and Pharaoh eventually makes Joseph second in command over all of Egypt. And so it's around this time that his his brothers who sold him into slavery years ago, they, they go to Egypt because they're trying to find food and they encounter their long lost brother whom they sold him. Who They sold to slavery years ago. So it's, a, it's an awesome story, man. Read it. We don't have time to go through all the details. But if you're there, it's Genesis 45. We're going to read 1 through 15. If you're there, say amen. 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 All right. It says, it's a little long. All right. Stay with me. It says, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my brother, is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you the many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and ruler over all of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph. Joseph has made me Lord. I'm sorry. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, right? So he's basically telling his brothers, I want you to go back, tell my dad, tell tell dad to, to, to bring his stuff and come back over here and to live in the land of Egypt because I will provide for you, right? Uh, verse 11 says, There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come into poverty. And now your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin. Benjamin was the full brother of Joseph. Everybody else was half brothers that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all uh, my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen uh, and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept and Benjamin wept upon his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them beautiful story. Amen. And with that, let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly father, we, we thank you, my Lord. We thank you, my God, for this word. We thank you, my God, for your faithfulness, Lord. And I ask that this morning, father, God, that you just speak my God through your servant, father God, I pray that you would be on my lips. My God, Holy spirit. I pray my God, that we would open up our hearts to you, my God, to receive whatever it is that you have for us, Lord, on this day in Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I, uh, I'm, I'm calling the sermon Stepping Stones and I just I want to encourage you this morning man uh, first I, I want to say that that God cares more about your story than he does the pages in between and I'm not saying that God doesn't care about the details I'm not saying that God doesn't abide in the details I'm just saying that God cares more about the whole than he does the details and um, I'm about to be 33 years old this Friday yeah i know it's, it's a lot 33 and uh, that was the age jesus went to the cross right he did his thing <laughs> i don't know why it's relevant but 30 i'm going to be 33 and the older i get um i i i i think a lot more about life and i wasn't thinking about this years ago you know i was just living it i was just living life but now i'm getting older and i think about you know where i'm at in my life and 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 where where I thought I would be in life. And then I look at where God wants me to be in life. And it brings me joy to know that I'm, I'm hundred percent, you know, in the will of God. Like I'm, 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 I'm living in peace knowing that I am on his path, but sometimes just kind of in the busyness of life and in the, in the, in the struggles of life and all the details I get discouraged and I get frustrated and I get irritated and I get annoyed and I get angry. Anybody in a season of just annoyance right now? Anybody in a season of, come on, come on, of anger, uh, of, of, of some bitterness. Of, I mean, you are just you just get into those seasons of discouragement and frustration and, and you wish things were a little bit different in life. Maybe not everything, but some things. You wish you were further along at, at work in your career. You wish you had a better job. You wish you had more friends. You wish you made a little bit more money. You wish you had more time for stuff. You wish the season, was different and you're not complaining about it because you're a child of God and you're grateful for what you have like my wife tells the kids you get what you get and you don't throw a fit right but Paul Paul, Paul says I have learned how to be content in every situation Every situation, I have learned how to be content in the high, in the low, in the abundance, in the struggle, when I have nothing, when I have plenty, in the valley, in the mountain. You can change the scenario. I have learned how to be content because my constant is God. But that doesn't mean that you don't get discouraged because your story doesn't look like the picture that God showed you. You guys know that... I'm not, the, I'm not the type that likes to assemble stuff. I've told this to you guys many times. I don't like to assemble stuff and put it together. I, I, I want the picture on the box. That's what I want. I don't want the pieces. I want the picture. And I will pay to have somebody give me the picture on the box. I don't want to take a whole day. Come on, brother. Come on. Yes, I got a witness in here. I don't want to take a whole day to put something together. I, I value my time more than I value my money, even if I have just a little bit of money. Um, So I will pay somebody so that my time isn't taken. So I won't, I won't buy something unless I can pay for the assembly. I won't. I'll just say God is not the Lord's will. (laughs) You know, it's not the Lord's will. You know, uh, daddy, daddy, can you buy me that playground? Uh, It's like $2,000 to get somebody to come put it together. No, thank you. Um, And so um, (laughs) I just, I want to get the box. I want to get the picture on the box. But on the rare occasion where I'm like, all right, I gotta just tough it out and, and and do it, I take all the contents out of the box and sometimes think like, especially if you buy stuff from IKEA, it's the worst place to shop at, and it's cheap for a reason, right? Because you're basically making the furniture, uh, <laughs> and you take it all out of the box and and, and you gotta assemble all of the pieces. And I'm looking at the pieces, I'm like, this, how do you get how do you get the picture from all of this? How do you get that from this? And and can I tell you that most of the time. You know, in your walk with God, you're not you're not working with the whole part. You're never working with the whole part. You're working with the pieces. You're working with the details. God showed Joseph a picture. He showed Joseph. uh, he, He allowed Joseph to see ahead without actually being ahead. Right, and then the moment that he was sold into slavery, that was the moment that Joseph's story began to be written. That was the moment that God poured out all those pieces in the box, spread them all over the floor, and that and the great worker, the great Potiphar, began to assemble. That's why I said God cares more about the story than He does the pages in between. But right now, you're in the pages. I'm in the pages. I'm in the pages right now in that story of my life that God is writing, and can I be honest with you, man? This this past week, the past few weeks, actually, they've I've just I've just been I don't know what I've just been struggling with something in my in in my, in my spirit, and I can't even I can't even pinpoint it. Have you ever been there before? It's like there's something is like something stirring up in your spirit, and you're like, what is it? What 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 what's going on? And 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 I've been I've been dealing with with some stuff lately, and it's like. It's, it's a discourage. Sometimes you get to discouraging seasons, frustrating seasons, and you're asking God, Lord, why doesn't it look like the picture that you showed me? God, why am I not there yet? You, I mean, we love it when God shows us mountaintops. We love it when, when God shows us glory, when God shows us victory, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're still in the pages that are being written. And and maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're in the middle of that uh, of the story that God is writing for your life. And, and look, I'm not I'm not one of those preachers who takes every biblical figure and, and likes to assign them to ourselves. Like that's not like you're not you're not you're not Joseph. You're not David. You're not Paul. Everybody has their own story uh, to be written. But that's just the thing. Everybody has their own story. God is writing your story. God is in the middle of your story. If you are living for Christ, you have a purpose for Him, to live for Him. If you have a gift, you are to use that gift for His honor, for His glory. If God has deposited something in your heart, don't worry about the page that you're on. Just know that the page is going to keep going. You're going to keep turning the page. You're going to get closer and closer to that picture that God showed you for your life. T.D. Jakes, he tells this story about his son. Who, uh, who who, he, his son wanted to go to school. I think it was for like music, I don't know, music production or something. And he goes to his dad and he's like, dad, I don't know if if, if this is the thing that I'm supposed to do. What if this is not the thing that I'm supposed to do? And T.D. Jakes tells his son, if it's not the thing that you're supposed to do, it's gonna lead to the thing that you're supposed to do. And see, a lot of times as believers, and I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I overthink I'm an overthinker, man. I I, I think about the words that come out of my mouth. I think about the actions that I take. I think about the stuff that I post on social media, and sometimes I post things and I delete them. I think about the text message I'm about to send you. Like I I overthink sometimes, and and that overthinkingness—that's not a word—but just go with me. That I, I, I apply that to my to my walk with God sometimes, and I overthink. How many of you overthink God? God, should I buy the car? God, should I sell the house? God, should I do this? God, should I do that? God, should I marry him? God, should I divorce him? (laughs) We, 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 because we want to make the right decision. We want, we're Christians. We want to please our father. I want to do the will of God. I want to make the right decision. right? For, for myself, for my family, for my ministry, for our church. So we pray and we pray and we go to God. And if we're honest, we pray to God for clarity before we ask him for wisdom. And Bible never says, ask me for clarity. It says, ask for wisdom, ask for wisdom. And that's how, that's how you will show me honor and glory. If I just give you the answers all the time, it's like you're t- cheating on the test. You're not learning anything. And in our prayer with God, I, I, just, I find myself, God, give me the answer. God, which way am I supposed to go? Which way? What do you want me to do? And so sometimes looking for an answer, we find an answer. We take God's silence as a no. Oh, that's a no. It's a closed door. We take somebody's opinion as a confirmation. Well, that confirms it. And, and we never ask for wisdom. But what, what if, what if God, what if the God that you love, the God that you truly desire to please, what if, what if he allows you to go through things that are not necessarily his will for your life? Maybe Maybe it's not the thing that you should have done. Maybe it was the wrong decision. Maybe you should have turned left when you should have turned uh, w- w- instead of turning right. Maybe you should have maybe you should have gone forward instead of making a, a, a U turn and going back. Maybe you should have done something else. But what if the God that you love will still work it out for you? What if what if, what if what if the God that you desire to please and you say, God, I want to do Your will? I want to be found in your favor because I love you and I want to please you. What if when you fall, you fall on grace? What if when you mess up, God doesn't kick you when you're down? What if? Because the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose, all things work together for the good. And so if you love God and and you know that you are called according to his purpose... Like, like, but you make a wrong decision, you make a wrong turn. Does that really mean that God is not going to work it out for you? Life isn't, life isn't, it's not about the steps that you take. It's it's not, it doesn't come with step-by-step instructions. I wish it did be great, but life is lived in faith, which, which means most of the times you're not going to know what you're doing most of the times i don't know what i'm doing, and that's going to frustrate you and that 's going to discourage you and it might make you wonder when you're going to see the picture that God showed you and it's going to make you analyze your situation because you can't you can't see the story through the pages you can't see the story through the pages you you can't you can't see the whole in the parts and you know i've i've, I've mentioned I mentioned to you guys that um, I went back to school and I'm, I'm attempting, I'm attempting to get, to get my, my, uh, my PhD and in, in the discipline of, I'm attempting, I'm attempting this week, man, <laughs> this week has been rough, but, but the discipline I'm studying is, is biblical exposition. It's basically it's hermeneutics, which is Bible, Bible interpretation. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe one day, you know, we'll, we'll have I've always dreamt of having a, a school here, a Bible college here, a seminary, Numa University or something like that. Or, you know, it's it's been a dream, you know, but but really I'm, I'm getting it because I just man, I love the word of God. I love the word of God. And if, if there's more to understand about his word, I want to understand it. And and one of the basic tenets of hermeneutics is to understand the context. Understand the context, because if you don't understand the context, you're going to you're going to read scripture and and you're going to read it incorrectly. And if you read it incorrectly, you're going to apply it incorrectly. And so. That's one of the very first things that they, that they teach you. Or, I mean, they should teach you that in just simply Bible study. Like, look at the context. What is going on in the background? And, and, and if you see the verse, okay, you got to zoom out sometimes and read the chapter. What is the chapter talking about? If you're, if you're, if you're reading the chapter, zoom out, read the book. What is, what is the author talking about? What is, what is going on in the background? What's the historical context? What is the context, right? Because the more you understand the context, the more you understand the message. You understand the story. But a lot of times we don't. A lot of times we don't want to do all of that work. Sometimes we're, we don't have the time. Sometimes we're too lazy to do it. And so we read things out of context. How many of you ever heard that? You're taking that out of context, or you're trying, or you're trying to win an argument, and you take a verse to because it supports your argument. And the other guy is like, "You're taking that out of context." We've all done it. We've all taken scripture out of context. But you know what? As I was studying for this, God, God, God showed me that we did this. We, we do this with life. We, we look at our situation that we're in right now and we think that that determines meaning. Joseph might have said, God, look at my life right now. I'm in, I'm in prison right now. How is it that my family is going to bow down before me when all they see me as is a slave and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even a slave. I'm, I'm a prisoner. Abraham said God, how will I father a nation when I don't even have one child? You might be telling God, why is my business failing when you showed me that I was going to be blessed in my business? How is it that I'm going to be a leader when nobody values my thoughts or my opinions? How is it that you showed me wholeness in my family and you showed me that my wife was going to be here? You show me that my children were going to be here. My, 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 my spouse was going to be here, but they just walked out the door. How is it? My God, how is it that I'm going through what I'm going through when what you told me was different? And God is saying, you're taking that out of context. You're taking it out of context. If you, if you zoom out, You'll understand that I'm doing something. I'm working something. If you, if you look up, you're going to see that I'm above the details. If you stay faithful in the small, I will be faithful in the great. Come what may of the details, man. Come what may of the pages. God will make the story work. God is working. God is, and I, man, I, and I love that song, and it was ministering to me. I mean, when you don't see it, when you don't feel it, You believe it. That's what faith is. It's it's living by faith, not by what you see, because you don't see God at work, because you don't see the story in the pages. The pages are filled with heartache, they're filled with frustration, they're filled with setbacks. They're filled with with delays. They're filled with moments of weakness. They're filled with moments of of just just ceasing where all the work stops and you're like, I'm not going anywhere. But God is still at work. He's still at work. Matthew, Matthew 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And he's talking about all those who would inherit the kingdom of God. This is really the the grand story of God, right? This is the story of redemption. This is what the whole Bible is about, redemption. And so Jesus says, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, is the constant here? It doesn't change. What is the constant? It is the kingdom of heaven. It is the kingdom of God, our inheritance, our reward from God, from being faithful through everything. That is the promise. That is the whole story. The pages don't matter as much. You might feel the details, but it doesn't affect the story. So Jesus said, okay, you might be persecuted. Okay, you might be hungry. Okay, you might have an off day. Okay, evil may come against you. Okay, you might suffer. Okay, you might mourn. But, but if you love me and you are called according to my purpose, every page is simply a stepping stone. Every page is just advancing you to the end of the story. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay committed. Stay at work. Stay at work. Pastor Damaris this morning, she spoke in our Spanish service and she spoke about the Shunammite woman who, who asked the presence of God to dwell in her home, she she saw a man of God, Elijah, the man of God would come by on his journey, and he would stop and 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 she noticed. She says, "I perceive him to be a man of God, and if he's a man of God, I want more God in my home. So I'm going to treat the man of God with a little bit of honor, because if I if I show him honor, maybe God will see that and God will abide in my home. And so she she makes this this this, this space for him, a room, so that the man of God could stay whenever he's here. And in the same way, we are, to, we are to put a place in our heart and in our minds and in our home where, where the presence of God has room, where he has, where he has a place, where he, is, where he is welcomed. And it doesn't matter what I'm going through. And it doesn't it doesn't matter if, if if life is easy in that moment, it doesn't matter if I can't see God at work. I have invited God to abide in me. And if He is abiding in me, I know that He is going to do something because His presence will bless the whole, His presence will bless the temple. It is consecrated for that reason, it is purposed for that reason. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so if I've allowed God to invade my temple, if I've allowed God space in my heart and my mind and my situation isn't what I thought it should be, it doesn't matter because I'm st- God is still here. God is still here. And you might not see him, but he's working. You might not even feel him. That's the worst. Have you never felt have you not felt God before? I'm gonna sit down again. Sometimes you just don't feel God, man. You don't feel God. We've come to terms with the fact that we can't see God. He's the invisible God. He radiates. I mean, he's he he dwells in unapproachable light. It says First Timothy. We know that we can't see God. We know that we hear God by 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 reading His Word. We can't really hear Him audibly. But the worst is when you can't feel God. The worst is when you pray and you just don't feel anything. And you're saying, God, come, and you don't hear footsteps. You say, God, come, and you don't hear a voice. You say, God, touch, and you don't feel anything. That's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. That's where you say it doesn't matter, God, if I can't feel you because in the same way that I can't see you, in the same way that I can't hear you, even if I can't feel you, I know that you're present. I know that you're present and I know that you're working. And sometimes, and sometimes in our story, we get so lost in the details. We get so lost in the pages. And we can't see the whole, but God, he's working through it. He's working through it. <clears throat> God worked through Joseph's pages. He was in slavery. And I know when we read the story, we just, we, we, we read it like it's just, like it just happened. We just read it like history, like it's a history book. But we, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. This, this teenage boy, 17 years old, probably all excited. Man, I'm going places in life. Some, some's coming to me. My brothers are going to bow down before me. They're going to finally show me some respect. Right? My dad, Even my dad is going to show me some respect. Like, man, there's, a, there, there, there's something going to happen. And then, boom. Sold into slavery. Mm. But you know what? I, I would be more fearful. Not, not of, not of the situation that if if I'm outside of God's will, but everything is going great, that should scare you to death. If everything is going great in your life, but you are not where God wants you to be, that should terrify you. And I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I'm not trying to scare, scare you. Like you're, you're going to hell. Right. But I'm just, I'm telling you, like, if you are not in the will of God. That's a problem. And I would be terrified if I were you more terrified than if I know that I am in the will of God, but things aren't going well, because as long as I know that God's got me, it doesn't matter what's not in the bank account. It doesn't matter what's not on the table. It it doesn't matter where I'm at in life. If I know that I'm in the will of God, if I know that he's with me in the fire, I want to be in the fire. If God's in the fire, if God's in the furnace, I want to be in the furnace. Let me step in the furnace. And I know that it's not going to be comfortable, but wherever God is, I want to be. So for, for Joseph, slavery, that was a stepping stone. Prison, was a stepping stone. Those 17 years Joseph probably spent under the abuse of his brother, that was a stepping stone. And if you, if you've been obedient to God, church, listen, if you've been obedient, you've been faithful to God, you've given God your everything, you've, you've devoted everything that, that you are to him, don't think that where you are now is meaningless. Don't discount your now because it doesn't make sense to you. Because one day it will. And I love that Joseph, Joseph is able to look back and realize, man, it wasn't even you who sent me here. It was God. God was working all alone. God was in the caravan when I was being sent To Egypt, God was in that prison, that prison cell when I thought I was alone. He was there even when I didn't see him, even when I didn't hear him, even when I didn't feel his presence. He was right there because God doesn't abandon his children. He may step back, but he doesn't step away. And a stepping stone church is a means to an end. You're not meant to stay there forever. It's just to get to. It's just to get you to where you're supposed to be. And stepping stones, they don't always happen in a straight line. As, as nice as that would be, sometimes you, you have to. You just have to step wherever wherever there's a place to step. And if if your goal is to get to the other side, sometimes the only place to step is 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 over here, and you got to go backwards. And then you got to go over here and you're like, come on, I'm trying to get over there. And it's like, okay, this is the only other step available. And you're like, I'm getting further and further away. And now you're like backed up into a corner. And where, where do I go? And then something else happens. Oh, here's another stepping stone. Okay. It's getting me a little bit closer. Still not where I should be. And then here's another one. Okay. Okay. Maybe God was just, maybe he was ordering my steps. Maybe God. Maybe if I if I hear God. Maybe if I seek God. Maybe if I, I I I I create a place in my heart for the presence of God to abide. Maybe He will lead me. And it doesn't matter if I go backwards. It doesn't matter if I go to the side. God, God is in every step. Mm. David said, "The Lord is my shepherd." He's my shepherd. He leads me. He leads me beside still waters. I'm gonna have the worship team come up. He restores my soul. He He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though, what does he say? Even though I walk through the, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I love, I, I love, I love what Egypt represents in the Bible. Egypt, when we think about Egypt, what do we think about? We think about captivity, slavery, 400 years of it, 400 years of enslavement for the people of God. God had to rescue his people from Egypt and he did so through Moses, right? And so whenever Egypt is spoken about by the prophets, it's not always a a geographical location. It represents captivity, But before Egypt became synonymous with this idea of bondage, it was first a place of refuge. If it wasn't for God's placement of Egypt in his divine plan, there would have been no people from which to save them from. They would have died out in the famine. If Egypt wasn't there, Jacob's family would have died. And so instead, Egypt it became a stepping stone. They 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 had to go through it, but it was only a page in their story. Sometimes, sometimes God, uh, so, so, sometimes God means for you to go through Egypt. Sometimes God means for you to 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 go through the necessary evil. For a greater purpose, Paul says in Romans nine seventeen. for the scripture says of Pharaoh, for this purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. What you're passing through, it might be Egypt. It's not always gonna be green pastures. Oh man, that, that's, that's what we love to quote. He leads me. By green pastures. He leads me by still waters. Sometimes God is going to take you through valleys. He will take you through the wandering, through the wilderness, through the desert. He will take you through storms. I don't know why we're surprised by it. It's all over scripture. But don't be dismayed for those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose. God is working. God isn't forgot. He's not forgot about you, He's not forgot about you. He's not unmoved by your prayers. He hears them. He hears that he's listening. He might just be using your Egypt to build you up so that at the proper time he can take you out and he can rescue you. Don't discount where you are today. Don't discount where you are today because you think it's not where you're supposed to be if you are called according to his purpose. And if you are living for God, you are living with everything devoted for him. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It might just be a stepping stone for you to get to the picture that he showed you a long time ago. And I don't know what you're believing for this morning. I don't know what God has shown you. I don't know what picture he has depicted to you. But you're not there. You're not even near it. Stay faithful. Stay faithful in the details. Stay faithful in the small because he will be faithful in the great and he is working all things, all things, all things, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything, the hurts, the discomfort, the frustration. He's working it. He's working it for his purpose in your life. The Waymaker. I want us to sing that song this morning. Can you stand with me? Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. You are the Waymaker, Lord. And when there is no way, Father. When there is no way around, you will make a way through. We trust in you this morning, Father God. I'm calling upon the saints this morning to to come and and worship the God who is faithful in everything. These altars are open this morning. I want you to come this morning and I want you to... I want you to take hold, take hold of what God has has shown you, take hold of what God has promised over your life, and know that he is working it for your good, he is working it for for his own benefit, because God, God, his word does not return void, God's promises will not go unfulfilled. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on NUMA Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Pneuma Church. Thanks again and God bless.